Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to this Social Suplex special on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I'm your host, Danny Kukler, and I have a great, great guest for you guys today. I have the author of Way of the Blade, one of the greatest bloody matches of all time, and he's one of the DVDVR originals. I always mix it up. Always mix up the letters of those. <laughs> yeah, I do too. And it's a you know it's something I was I I started basically you know whatever twenty years ago. Yeah, one of the original internet wrestling fans. Can we just say that? Uh, I mean, I guess it's not entirely inaccurate. Sure. I mean, I was I was I was selling. Uh, I was selling um, uh, uh, mix ta- mix uh, videotapes of taped Japanese wrestling I got from my um, from a Japanese video store in Hayward, California, near my parents' house when I was a senior in high school on RSPW in like 1992. RSPW. So I guess that makes me about as o- original. I mean, I think there were people who were on Prodigy boards before I was on Prodigy boards. Right. So I think that there was like a like a, a micro generation before my generation guys like uh, bob writer and guys like that who i think bob barnett me. yeah yeah bob barnett sure those guys but you're as og as og bit. can get yeah Joe schneider <laughs> great author the book is fantastic i'm on i'm on bruno san martino and tito santana versus adrian adonis and randy savage where i have the I have the uh, chapters open and we're going to talk about some of these bloody matches today and how he got into the wrestling industry and all that good stuff today. How you doing, Phil? I'm doing good. Doing good. Glad to be here. Appreciate you having um, me on. I appreciate you coming on and and after your great appearance on Between the Sheets, of course. Sure. Yeah, I've been, I've been hitting the end. And then I don't know if you've been listening, in addition to the book, Way of the Blade, uh, yeah, which is I available on Amazon. There's a, I've, I've launched the way to play the podcast, which I've got, um, I've already there, there will be uh, four out by the time uh, this gets released uh, Four episodes. I've got one with my friend, Eric Rich from Saguna Kaida talking about killer Carl Cox versus Dick Murdoch. I've got one with Daniel Makabe, who's a tremendous professional wrestler yes. of his own talking about Daisuke Ikeda versus Yuki Ishikawa from Futen. Then I've got a two parter. Mm-hmm on uh, NWA, the NWA Anarchy War Games matches. So the 2000, which I don't know, those are probably not matches that uh, very many people have seen, but are truly incredible matches. I've got the first one with Reverend Dan Wilson, the leader of the Devil's Rejects. And then the second one, which I'm going to finish editing tonight and put out, will be out Thursday. Um, so I'm sure by the time that this gets released with uh, Reverend Dan Wilson and Jeff G. Bailey about the devil's the heel versus heel war games devil's rejects versus nwa elite which is an amazing match in a really great podcast i mean those guys have so many insane stories about like that era of of cornelia the, it's very niche the niche thing with the area era of cornelia georgia independent wrestling which is one yeah. of the coolest things ever 
And I've got yeah, a, that, I've got that a, sounds fantastic. I've got that an, an enormous guest, which I can't, I won't say who it is, but I've got an enormous guest lined up for my next one after that. Uh, one of the biggest, uh, biggest people in the current professional wrestling industry. So I've, so this is, so that's rolling too. The book's rolling. It's going well. It's selling well. Um, I just signed the contract for book number two. So I'm, I'm keeping this whole thing rolling. Yeah. Yeah. You, you are a fantastic author. Um, this, this is, this is a fantastic book. I suggest any pro wrestling fan read it. How did you sort of swirl this thing into pro to book form? Well, you know, it was, I, I've been writing, you know, reviewing and writing about wrestling pretty consistently for, you know, close, you know, over 20 years now, um, significantly, about almost 25 years. And I don't know, Segunda Caído, which is the blog that I run with my buddy Eric, and so we have some other people that write for it. We put out something new every week, every day. So every, every day we've got a new review of some different obscure corner of the wrestling world this this weird indie show this met lucha show in front of 25 people this match from this match from france in 1964 or whatever we put up something new every day and uh you know the publisher of this book uh john snowden who wrote a shamrock biography which is amazing he yeah. self-published and he's written some books for other public houses and he uh decided to self-publish the shamrock book and had some success with that and kind of wanted to sort of branch out a little bit. So I kind of just pitched him an idea. I thought it would be cool, you know, since I've been doing writing about this, you know, on, on the internet for so long, it's like, I've got a, a style that it's relatively well-developed at this point. And I've certainly, you know, done a ton of different reviews of a whole bunch of different things. And I thought this would, the kind of idea behind the bloody wrestling is it would be a kind of a nice opportunity to sort of talk about a whole bunch of different things. So, I mean, if yeah. you, you, you've got the book and, and you know, yeah. it's, it's wrestling from all over the world, all different time periods, you know, territories. It gives me a sort of a chance to talk about all that stuff, right? I've got some things I want to say about UWF wrestling in Japan. I can write about that. I got, wrote about all Japan. I wrote about Lucha. I wrote about independent wrestling. W, I mean, there's a WrestleMania match in there and then there's matches that are in front of like 25 people. And it kind of, you know, which has always been my, it's that's always been kind of the thing that I've done for years in Skunakaida and other places is you know I, I'm not necessarily somebody who's going to review Raw, you know, or, or review a <laughs> or review a di or Dynamite or a New Japan Dome show, current New Japan show. I, I'm the I'm not that's not the thing I do. I'm the guy who digs in the crates. I'm the guy who's in the in the weeds, and I'm saying you know everybody likes this Okada match, but you know it was really good this. Uh, this match with Mickey Knuckles in it from a couple weeks ago in a garage somewhere in Indiana, or you know, like that's like, that's what I, that's the thing I do is I get in there and I, you know, everybody everybody's got an opinion on on uh, on Roman Reigns. I don't really have a particularly large opinion on him. I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little deeper. I'm gonna get a little more in the weeds. I find that stuff more fun, you know, finding you know, I showing people stuff that they may not have heard of or not have seen. And you know, obviously the book, you know, I talk about a bunch of the canonical stuff. You know, I write about Hard Austin. I write about Magnum TA, Tully. You know, th there is the stuff in there that uh, would be, a, you know, Last Battle of Atlanta would be in there in any any sort of book about something like this. But, you know, it's it's alongside El Pollo versus Commando Negro. You know, right. It's, it's, it's alongside MS1 versus Sangre Chicana. 
Well, MS1 Sangri Khan is the greatest professional wrestling match of all time. So that's got to be in any book like that. El Pollo Commando Negro is a match where a guy's dressed like a, in a chicken suit and he bleeds all over. That may not be the greatest match of all time, but, you know, maybe it is. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. maybe that's the coolest thing you've ever seen. So, it's, uh, so that's kind of my idea behind it was I was going to give an opportunity to do uh, different things. Yeah, and your book really runs a gamut on every style of wrestling in every sort of gamut of wrestling in the world. It starts off with French Catch, which is a recent recent um, discovery in the footage realm. How, how did people find that? And, and it's ridiculous. So, you know, I, I'm keeping some of the details of how we got our hands on that a little to myself, because it was a little bit, basically, we kind of found out how we could get it and we found out a way to get it and we got it. And so we, it's like a little bit like, so it's not, you know, so we're gonna keep it a little between me, you and the wall and exactly the specific details about how to go. But basically what we did was we got our hands on, um, you know, some people I was working with, the guys in Skunikaita got our hands on French, uh, the almost entire archive of French professional wrestling. We're talking about I have 200, 300 matches from, you know, 1950, all six, all the way through the early 80s. And this is basically all stuff, virtually all of it, new to anybody who wasn't French in 1962, right? Like, like the people who right. watched on television in, in, uh, in Nice in, in 1962 saw it. But outside of that, nobody's really seen any of this stuff. So what we've been doing over the last, you know, maybe about the last year or so, a little more than that, is every Tuesday on the blog, we review new, a couple of new matches, usually two, sometimes they're two television shows, basically. Sometimes the show is just one match. Sometimes it's a couple of matches. We review two shows. We put them up on YouTube for everybody to see them. And it's all, always a completely, you know, virtually completely new. I think maybe there were 10, 10 matches that were on YouTube of all this stuff beforehand. So, you know, one, one YouTube page had it. So there was a couple stuff. So it was like enough to know that it was really good, but now it's like, we get a real sense of all of it. And, you know, some of the stuff is a lot, I know a fair amount of that stuff is as good as any wrestling anywhere. And it's ahead of its time. It's really ahead of its time. Too. Yeah. I mean, it's the first time I ever saw any of it. I saw uh, Gilbert Seska versus Billy Contanzaro. And it was something I found on daily motion. Sometimes I'm like bored, like, it, you know, doing some work or something. I'll just fuck around on YouTube and look for hard to find wrestling matches on it. It's sort of like a, almost like a time, you know, like you're doing something else. Your kids are watching uh, uh, Paw Patrol and you're just like, all right, let me go see if I can find something. So I found this random match on daily motion. Uh, Billy Condizaro versus Gilbert Seska. And when you watch it, it's like the athleticism and speed of, you know, like a PWG match in 2014. It's like 1958. And you're like, well, it doesn't make any, it doesn't completely forward. It's like seeing an a, something like it was aliens, right? And what you thought, what you thought always oh, had the impression wrestling from the 50s and 60s. So that's some of it. But I mean, the cool thing about French Catch, this is going a little off topic, but I, there's a match in there on my book, so it kind of counts, um, is that the, it's not all the, that, right? So there's that, but there's also like, you know, really, really, really stiff brawls. And there's really like, 
really elaborate sort of character stuff, Quasimodo and Spartacus, and just all of these like very out there. I mean, the match in the book is Dr. Adolf Kaiser, who is a German psychoanalyst, like a guy who's basically playing a Nazi in 1957 France. A 1957 France playing a Nazi, that's like in that audience, there are people whose family were killed by the Nazi. Like that is that is not that is not distant history. That's like that's right that's in there. Like that's like recent, that's like recent like 9-11 territory. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, it'd be like doing a 9-11 terrorist character in, in a New York Indian, like you know, February uh 2002. I actually did see, I went to a JPW show once in around in like 2002 where there was a guy, uh, Fat Frank, who was the JAPW promoter. Oh, yeah, guy. Fat Frank. Was, was figure. <laughs> was wrestling a guy who was working the Sheik and the final, and the, and he, like, right after 9-11. I think his, the end of the match was he threw, he threw powdered anthrax in Fat Frank's oh, face. Oh, no. They're like, it's anthrax. <laughs> oh, like, oh, my God. That was, no. like, you know, Bayonne, New Jersey, right? That was right outside the, right outside the, you know, you could yeah, see the, right you could the, see the uh, husks from the Twin Towers yeah. from the arena. So yeah, so a little like that. So it's like so back to that. It was like so the cool thing about it, especially which you which we which you don't necessarily see if you're just seeing kind of a random couple matches here or there, which all on YouTube. When you watch all of it, like we've been watching, you really get to see the sense of you know evolution and different styles and different really great wrestlers. I mean, there's a guy Le Petit Prince. Um, I don't know if he's named after the children's book or the children's book was named after him, but Le Petit Prince, who is basically 1960s Rey Mysterio Jr. Like has that has like 1994 Ray speed and moveset. It's like unbelievable. Like you can't even you don't even know what you're watching. It's like it's like somebody transported Ray Jr. Not like current awesome Ray Jr. with bad knees. I'm talking about like Ray Jr. from like 1994, like 94, 95 Ray Jr. in France. Um, and you know, and there's you know, so it's very cool. It's like it's you know, as a guy who kind of likes, let you know, one of the things I like the most is finding new shit. It's like it really was Christmas when we were able to get our hands on all this stuff. You've so if, you, so if you're interesting, sagunakaida.blogspot.com. Uh, Every Tuesday we put up new shit. You've convinced me now. The new, the new Holy Grail, though, is the Killer Card Cox, Dick Murdoch, blindfold match. <laughs> right. Yeah, that I'm, is the new Holy Grail. And I, I want to see it. And, and there's these two guys will beat the living crap out of each other. And it's blindfolded, so they'll have no idea they're beating the crap out of each other. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you just know that's just sitting in a sitting somewhere in in, in a box in Stanford, Connecticut, Stanford, Connecticut. Uh, uh, un, <laughs> like, un, uncatalogued. God, <laughs> good God! Some of these matches I'm I was reading about, like the Jerry Lawler Dutch Mantel, which I've seen actually because I. I, I do a podcast called Great Match Generator where I actually watch some of these great matches and actually review them with Matt from Markout Mountain. And and he act, we actually watch like four great matches from the Greatest Match Ever project. And that Jerry Lawler Dutch Mantel match is so good. Yeah. You know? It's cool. It's, it's, it's not, it's a barbed wire match, but it's not like, it's, it's not, not a like a barbed wire match. It's like a boxing match. Right, so it's not built around bumps as much as it's built around like you know what it does is it limits the geography of the ring, yeah, in kind of interesting ways. So it doesn't allow like more like a cage match. Yeah, it's more like a cage match, 
and, it, and exactly and so it doesn't really can't do a lot of rope running so it tightens the ring and it a fair amount about what they can do because even you can see a lot of the matches those guys like you're very very wary about going backwards and being pushed into the barbed wire like basically like if you were actually having a, a wrestling match at a barbed wire in real it's like the only thing you'd be trying to do is get poked by the barbed wire so what it does is it kind of makes it like it's like a fist fight in a in a phone booth because the geography of the match is so limited these guys basically just tee off on each other yeah it's really it's great it's it's funny, you know, it's like I probably have used, you know, when you write as many things as I've written over the years, it's like you sort of repeat the same tropes over and over again. And I've probably used Lawler, Mantel, fist fight as an adjective to describe punching great punches in wrestling matches probably a hundred times. Like, oh, this was all, wasn't exact, was as, as good as Lawler, but it had a Lawler, Mantel-ish kind of thing. So yeah. it's like one of the things yeah, I was rewatching like that match. Yeah, you know, I was rewatching that match for the book. It was just like, oh yeah, this is this is what I was talking about. These two guys. What was the most surprising match you rewatched and you thought, man, this was not I was not expecting this to be good, but it was really good. Well, you know, I, I had an idea, you know, I, I put the list together. So I had an idea of, you know, what was what I knew was was great and what wasn't i'm trying to think of i you know i magnum ta tully blanchard was a match obviously with an incredible wow. reputation and certainly something i'd probably seen a half dozen times before but i something i had not seen in a long time when i rewatched it so it was something that kind of was on the list just because you know of course it's going to be on the list but that was something that you know it really blew me away when i watched it again i was like god this is good and it's like and just, I was, sorry and it's such like a you know it's such a, a like Magnum T.A. is sort of this really virtuous figure in 80s wrestling. I'm, I'm, I imagine I'm a little older than you. And, the, and the, that period... Yeah, I'm so I'm a lot older than you. So uh, <laughs> the uh, that period uh, was a period that I grew up watching, you know, TBS, WTBS wrestling, you know, was what was the wrestling that I watched as a kid. You know, I, was, I grew up in California, not in the South, so I didn't go to shows, but, you know, I had cable. So I watched, you know, was watching, you know, T.A. was this figure like of this, this virtuous figure. And it was like watching this, you know, almost like watching somebody descend into hell. It was like watching um, Death Wish or something like that. One of those movies where, you know, oh, Charles Bronson's whole family gets killed and he goes around just murdering people. And watching back in T.A. in that match, was like, that was like, my, you know, watching this guy lose his soul to try to kill Tully Blanchard or jab a wooden stick in his eye. And like, it was really it, heroin in a lot of ways that I did not remember that, you know, when I watched it on a, a videotape from like the, from the, from the not Blockbuster video, because Blockbuster video didn't have a good wrestling videos. You had to go to like the, you know, just like the local owned video store somewhere, find a, where they had the good wrestling days. When I watched it then for the first time, I didn't, don't think it affected me in the way it watched when I watched it again. Or just, right. I mean, this is because really, you had the context now, or just you know, it's just like you know, the idea of of you know who Magnum was, what he represented, and what this was. And you know, like I had so many. It's like one of the worst things about current wrestling. Uh, I think I you know is is this sort of every match has to have this overly emotional story or, yeah, or Johnny Gargano steers, steers in his hands and goes, what kind of monster have I become? You know, that kind of shit. It's awful. And, you know, like, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and this, this, this was, you know, this was that story, but actually like not with that kind of overwrought, you know. Melodrama. Like, yeah, yeah. But just like, it, this was what was going on here. 
this this was Magnum TA becoming a monster, uh, but not but he wasn't you know he wasn't looking at his hands with terror or whatever that shit that they that NXT show uh, wasn't going what was going on here. Right, and and a match I'm glad you put on there. A match that I love dearly is the Hell in a Cell with Taker Brock. Yeah. That was something I hadn't watched in a long time. Wow, that match. It's my favorite Hell in a Cell of all time. Yeah, I think it's the best. It's the best one. It's the best one. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, it does have have the bumps, right? But, you know. It doesn't have the bumps, but it has the brutality. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, it's just gross. (laughs) And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like a taker guy, particularly. He's not somebody who, who, he's somebody who means a lot to wrestling fans of a different generation than me. I, he's not somebody who means a ton to me. It's fine. But but I mean, th- this I think was his like masterful book. Was a, his masterpiece. Was the best match he's ever been in. And, and Brock at that point was just like, you know, as was like a f- there, nobody's ever reached that level in that first year. Just a phenomenon. Yeah. It, and it, you know, it, it, he's it somebody such... who's, he's, his stuff is I, mean, I still really enjoy him, but it's a different, he's a different point, right? His stuff is, this was when he was coming in. It was like, you'd never seen anything like this. He was just ripping through everybody. And, you know, this is him just tearing the Undertaker's, the top of the Undertaker's head off. You know, like, and uh, yeah, that match is great. And, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have the, the moment of, of like the Foley match or the Shawn Michaels match. Um, no, but, but it, it personifies what Hell in the Cell should be. Yeah, it's a cage it's match. It's a brutal cage match. Blow off cage match with a lot of brutality, blood squirting everywhere. I'm yeah. like, yes! Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> this is what I want wrestling! Yeah, yeah. I mean, Heyman does a really gross play job in it. And it's just like, oh, yeah, Heyman does a gross play job in it, too. Yeah, yeah I remember that. He's, he's, yeah, that, match, that match is... That was that weird period of the WF where they just went like all in on this. Like every every show, every other show is just going to be like the ring Bloody is going to be God. soaked. <laughs> yeah, it was a, kind of a strange thing soaked. after. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean, that was around the same time as you had that Cena JBL match. This is in my book, but could have been, and then you know Eddie JBL, which is in the book, and oh, that Cena JBL match. I recently I watched that a couple of days ago. Oh, that was blood soaked. Yeah, if this was the bloodiest matches rather than a hundred of the greatest bloody matches, it's like a different thing, right? That definitely but would have it, made it. And it's so hokey with JBL saying, like, I win! And he's yeah. you know, just throwing on throwing the uh, truck thing anyway. I felt, <laughs> I felt so robbed as a wrestling fan watching that again. But the, but the, the match was very good. It was, it was just at the end, it was just the ending just robbed you know, yeah, A lot of, a lot of, a lot of, uh, I mean, there's other, you know, I, there's matches in this book with really terrible endings, but a lot of times when you just completely blow it like that, in a match, oh, yeah. it's just like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't I want to spend 10 minutes talking about how shitty the finish was. Like, I'd rather write about something else. I mean, one of the things that I think has changed is different about me as somebody who's doing this a little, you know, older is I'm much, much less interested in watching things that I don't like. Yeah. You know, it's like there's not there's a point where you know a lot of people you know there is like oh man I can't wait to watch this so I can shit all over it and it's like yeah I don't have enough free I don't know I don't free I don't have enough free time for the yeah I haven't I, I, gotten to that point and I'm I mean it happens uh, yeah it happens everybody yeah it's you know it's when you're, when you're younger you know like 
I'm a, I, you know, if you go back and I don't even know if this stuff is even online. There, there are, you know, thunder work rate reports where I'm just ripping the shit out of WCW booking in the nineties, making all kinds of jokes. I mean, I was like, you know, that was the kind of stuff I used to do. It's just like, now it's like, I don't, I got, you know, I got kids, I got a regular job. I got a wife. I got other I got books I want to read. I don't have the, I don't have the energy to like watch a WWE pay-per-view so I can like crap on it for on the internet I just, so a lot of the times it's like even with this book is like i there was you know famous matches it was like where i was like i don't really remember liking that very much so i'm not gonna bother writing it up even though i might have some interesting things to say about it yeah, um, yeah. and i probably not the book isn't isn't 100 free of of shit talking but it's probably 90 percent free of shit talking I'm, for the most part, I keep it try to keep it pretty. I'm much more interested in finding some cool shit and telling people about some cool shit than I am about making jokes. You know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, but it's not like you can shit on shit on current raw, raw more than you could shit on Russo booked raw. I mean, I, that was what I was. I was. I was in the mines back when Russo was booking raw. And I, I mean, nothing is going to be as bad as that. I mean, you guys talk about Alex, uh, Alexis, but no, sure? I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you weren't there. Nothing's worse than that. Nothing's worse than Russo Nitro. Are you Not sure? Even... Alexa Bliss is doing her damn. Oh, yeah, but that's but that's eight minutes at the end of a show. You know, like we're talking about. Uh, you know, we're talking nothing. Nothing's. No, I would tell you to go back and rewatch that shit, but you should not. It is no, horrible. No, I'm not going to rewatch that shit. To, to be fair, Danny, I, I haven't watched a. I don't. I haven't watched a single second of, of Alexa. I mean, maybe a single second of Alexa Bliss. Did she have a match against Ronda? I may have watched that. But as far as the amount of Alexa Bliss I've watched in my life. No, I mean being Alexa Bliss. I don't know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, and but I'm, I'm saying like, I haven't. I'm, I haven't I'm watched. Like, I think I watched the. I only watched the clips. Okay, because I at that point, it's like I got, I got, you know, there's, there's gonna be somebody doing some analysis of, the, of the sun spread prick and roll before the playoff game. I'll read that. But um, the uh, I just show a match against Ronda. I watched all the Ronda matches. Alexis yeah. Bliss have a match against Ronda, so I've watched one Alexis Bliss match in my life, and I'll be happy to watch continue to my the number can continue to be one forever. I may have watched against uh, the Rock's cousin. Eric, who is my partner in crime on Saguna Kaida, we have one of the things we do is an ongoing 2020 uh, ongoing match of the year list. We've been doing it for the last five or six years. Yeah. So everyone, so he'll watch more of this stuff than I will. So every once in a while, he'll like nominate like a match on, on Raw or a match for WWE pay-per-view. And eventually I'll get around to checking it out if he's nominated. So every once in a while, he'll like, he'll like say, oh no, this was really good. And I'll like, oh, I fucking fine. Alasha, Alasha. I'll watch a Drew McIntyre match, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Drew, Mac Drew McIntyre is fine, but I'm sure not my taste. I think I saw him live at Evolve once in Baltimore. I thought he was okay. Yeah. He's a, a fine, guy, match a fine guy that was the seventh best guy at an Evolve show I went to five years ago. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, there's that's, 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 no shame in being the seventh best guy at a 2014 Evolve show. No, there's no shame. No it's shame. Fun. A good wrestler. Better than he was better than Chuck Taylor. Not as good as uh, not as good as Leo Rush. This was around yeah. the level he was at the Baltimore uh, ROHO. I'm not to be a top guy. In the <laughs> or, or, or fine. He's tall. I don't know. <laughs> like I yeah. said, I, like I said, I, I'm pretty I'm pretty removed from it, which is a happy yeah, place to yeah, be. Yeah, that's the thing. Let's talk about more bloody wrestling. That Kevin Nash McCauley. Yes, I haven't seen that match. Oh, yes. Should I, I watch? I, 
Yes, it's great. And I did, this is another, this is, I'll give credit to my buddy Eric for this because I think he was the one who found this. Uh, or somebody recommended it to him or something. And he was like, Phil, you got to watch this Mick Foley Nash match from TNA. It's like, no, I don't. And it's like, no, you really need to watch it. And no, it's great. It's really great. It's easily Kevin. It's the Brett match from Survivor Series, which is actually that line. Was really good too, but easily a top two or three Nash match ever, and easily and right up there with, uh, you know, I mean, Foley's had a great career, but this was well past the point you thought he was ever going to do anything good. This was yeah, years he, past the point he retired in the w, in WWE. Yeah, it's got a terrible ending, um, which is you know a TNA specialty, right? But the actual the match is really great, and it's kind of this cool story of like. Foley being this guy who resents Nash for uh, for you know half-assing his way through his wrestling career, and Nash being a guy who thinks Foley's a sucker for taking this, these stupid beatings, you know, and, and Nash is like, you know, we we have I got more money than you, and I didn't have to destroy my life. So it's kind of an interesting like that was the story behind the match, basically. It was nice and and the match itself was really good, and it was it was a little like I don't know like a you know like a little like vader foley i mean that was the match that it reminded me the most of whereas like foley's taking this like really 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 stiff beating and then you know firing back and then both guys start bleeding and then i mean the finish of like a run-in with tracy brooks or something the finish was finish was awful but the actual stuff leading up the actual match itself was was really really good and in a way that like a perfect thing for this book where i was like i don't anybody remember this Mick Foley, Kevin Nash match from TNA 13 years ago? Probably not, but it's awesome. Everybody should go check it out. And I'm not a guy who's necessarily, you know, like I said, I, I don't know if that, that may be the only TNA match on this in the book. That's a blind spot for me. I, I had a, one of the guys I used to uh, fight uh, when, when I used to box was it had a, uh, was a cable guy. And he got, he got like a, like back in the last you know, days you could get like stolen cable. Got me like a stolen cable box. And I watched all the first, you know, two months of TNA pay-per-views for free on my buddy stolen cable box before that. So that but that was pretty much it. Like, plus, like I know I remember a fair amount about like the first six weeks of TNA. It's like, oh, I remember they brought in brought in Wolfie D from PG 13 working like a working like a goth gimmick, and that was kind of cool. And I but outside of that, I was like, and as soon as I, as soon as I stopped, as soon as they stopped running the Nashville Asylum, I was pretty much, I was pretty much out and remained out for the entire re remaindering run of the whole promotion. But uh, <laughs> yeah, had a fun, fun Ken Shamrock match on like the third show. I think I remember vaguely. At Hunter A versus Head Hunter B, I didn't even know the match happened. You know, this was a kind of a, I mean, this is a generation. Say goodbye your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is like that IWA '90s IWA deathmatch. Oh yeah, the deathmatch promotion. Yeah, it was a big like early tape trader thing. Like you'd always get the if like you, when you started, people started trading tapes. They'd always get a wing tape, or they would always get like an IWA King of the Deathmatches, 
because uh, it was the shit. I, I knew how IWA came to death matches because I knew of that tournament. Right. Um, so that would I didn't know like, the head on his face off. What? Yeah, the, only, the, the, the only time they ever did, right? And it's a, it's a crazy match. Because uh, the head hurt is just such a weird thing. Like they're like you know, it, 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 like I think I remember writing in a book. It's like, it, it's like more like a thing some kid would make up in their bedroom. Like I'm gonna if they're like doing making up wrestlers playing with wrestling buddies, and one of them it's like they're identical twins. They look just like a duel of the butcher. They do moon salts. It's just like it's just, it's like doesn't sound like a real thing that exists. It sounds like some card thing a, a, a eleven year old would make up. Uh, but yeah, it's a couple of identical Puerto Rican identical twins looking like a duel of the butcher do moon salts. And this is them stabbing each other head with pieces of glass. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's really great. Like it's like more of it's like <laughs> I, I would more, love to watch it. Just it's definitely I, it's definitely more of a vibe than like an like an amazing wrestling match. But it's a vibe, man. Those guys are, those guys are nuts, and the crowd gets really into uh, head under B and just starts chanting B, which is pretty funny. Yeah, not like you can't like, tell these fucking two guys apart. They look exactly the same. I don't know how you pick which one of them you're gonna be gonna be gonna be rooting for. Um, but yeah, well, I think it was A or B. One of them's got a really really great looking uh, Alabama jail, like a crazy height for those four hundred pound dudes. Yeah, the, that's why I remember about headhunters watching like the music videos, uh, like the early YouTube music videos. Their moonsaults were insane for 400,000 guys. They were like, they're really music video wrestlers. Oh, it's yeah. like, you're it's like, oh my god, these music videos are incredible. You watch your match, and you go, oh, this is wouldn't better. Not great. <laughs> I mean, they're fine, they're fine, they're fine. I like the editors, but but they're guys who are they're guys who you know, they're the six coolest things they do in the match are really cool. And you're still gonna get a lot. I, mean, I don't know if you remember the eliminators from ECW or that. Or you Very put them on, John Cronus. Yeah, you put the limit. You put some eliminators highlights on some Alice in Chains or something like that. You're like, holy shit, these guys are the greatest fucking wrestler I've ever seen. And then you actually watch an eliminators match. You're like, oh no, no, this is, this is, public this is, anime. Yeah, public. I mean, a lot of those ECW guys were like that. Where it's just like, yeah, but I mean, uh, Rock and Rock was a good wrestler. Uh, he was a guy who, you know, uh, he had like a, a weird pre ECW run as the cheetah kid working as a fake tiger mask on New Jersey Indies. He was good. He's fine. He did some European stuff too. He's a good wrestler. Tiger Grunge was okay. But yeah, Public Enemy were all like, I mean, a lot of ECW as a promotion for the most part, they had some really good wrestlers. But a lot of that stuff was like amazing uh, video clips of stuff that Allison Chains saw in the matches itself. I yeah. uh, don't hold up. I've got a couple of I think I've got two or three ECW matches in the book, which I think may underrepresent them a little bit, but uh, but so be it. <laughs> I've got the, I got stairway to hell. You salmon, you had taboo funk. You had the obvious ones. In um, yeah, I got, uh, I got, uh, I think got Tajiri Carino's in there, which is a little bit of a later ECW uh, deal. Yeah. You have Gangsta's Thugs from Duck Monkey Mountain, which is like a heated match. Yes, yes, it's like a. That's a very heater. It's match. A, it's it's basically wrestling as a it's a world star video as a wrestling match. Basically, it looks like <laughs> it looks like a, it's like a, a you know like a, a fight at the fight outside a Waffle House in Kentucky or something like that. And, you know the gangsters. You know that was that was, you know that 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 doesn't age amazingly. That some of that stuff. Oh, no, but some of the but some of the yeah, but some of the stuff really does. Like in a way, like New Jack was a was a was a uh, 
you know, a a really compelling performer in a lot of ways, especially during that period. And, you know, there's something to be said for professional wrestling that gets emotional reaction from fans, even if the emotional reaction is racist and violent <laughs> but at least it's an emotional yep. reaction at least it's at least you know at least the the fans are you know involved involved in what's going on in a real visceral way as opposed to you know you know a lot you know wrestling, wrestling now you don't have that kind of emotional reaction anymore it's just, i think you have the same number of iwa mid-south matches and dcw matches in accurate <laughs> That's an, that's, an, that's an accurate representation of the, the of the quality of those two promotions, <laughs> I, and I could have easily put on five more. I, I think I've had had more. How many? I do we mid top matches? Do I have there? I have at least three, right? Necro Butcher Joe. I have um, four, right? I got four, Necro Butcher four. Joe here, and I have had three ECW matches, or do I only have two? Enron Hero. Enron Hero. That match is incredible. I did a whole zine with Butcher my friend. Joe. I did a whole zine. Hero. Jimmy Jacobs. BJ. Oh, a low-key hero. Low-key hero is PWG. A low-key hero is PWG. All those guys wrestled for so many promotions. That yeah, I yeah, sure. That whole period was a but I, yeah. Um, it was but, a blob. Uh, it was a little bit of a blob. But yeah, no, he's still, I, I didn't admit South. I got to remember that was a promotion that ran like once a week. Yeah. Not like You know, like they weren't running like once a month. They were running like every week oh, and true. bringing in people. And, you know, they had a base of really, really great wrestlers. And that Ian Rotten Hero match was there. My, me and my buddy J.L. Goldberg did an entire Z, which I think you can still get from him, all about this uh, meth lab battle arts is what I, I, I uh, coined, which was this period of IAB Mid-South Ian Rotten matches that were all, I mean, I mean Rotten's got, people who've heard of Ian Rotten and they think of him as a wrestler, think of him as a guy doing like hitting people with glass light tubes and that kind of thing, right? Which is what he did a lot of. But he's also a guy who was like an incredibly skilled grappler. And he would work these matches. That match with Hero is all really violent mat wrestling. Like all on the mat, all like where you could just, it was like in front of like 27 people. And you could hear like the impact of like Ian Rotten punching Chris Hero on like the elbow as hard as he could and like putting on these like submissions where you can hear tendon stretch it's actually harder to watch than any ian rotten death match because it just the violence i mean like and the crowd it's one of the great things about having a crowd that silent is they're just kind of like disgust you just hear them like oh my god you're like, like people people have that reaction like this people match. are like jesus people this. are like fucking christ shit and this is a yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a i mean mid-south show right they're there to see people get hit in the face with with uh you know bottles and shit but you're just watching ian rotten take his knuckle and drive it to the side of chris hero's temple they're like oh this is, i don't know i should even be like that oh i came i came here i came here to watch mean bit page get stabbed with glass i don't have my stomach for this match which is like and, and uh so it's it's worth watching i mean it is it is it the, all that ian all that ian like ian hard hard mat wrestling shit is incredible Nobody really thinks about that. Nobody really thinks about Ian rates, particularly rates Ian as a wrestler. And nobody really ever thinks talks about those matches. But that little subset of where Ian takes a guy and sugar holds him and punches him in the side of his neck. I mean, it is it is great. And that hero match is incredible. Uh, and all those IW Mid-South matches are. 
That means Joe Joe Nacro Joe is Nacro famous. Is fucking incredible. Joe Nacro is ten minutes of. Oh, we're just gonna be living shit out I of think it's stuff. Six minutes. I mean, it's not even ten. It's really short. But yeah, it's like and then the atmosphere of like, what am I watching? The ECW arena just buzzing. It's just yeah. this is what ECW was. I mean, it's, it's maybe the greatest match in the history of the ECW arena. I'll go. I'll go ahead. I'll go ahead and hot take it. Uh, I think that may be the greatest match in the history of the ECW arena. I don't know what to some other candidates. I mean, I, I, it's it's incredible. And you know, the, and uh, and you know, it's got this real moment, like right before this is like that period where Necro didn't last very long because his body fell apart. I don't think he's a guy who, outside of the style of wrestling, which isn't something that encourages longevity. I, I don't think his I don't think his non wrestling lifestyle was one that encouraged longevity. Oh no. So, uh, so he's not somebody who, you know, had a long career, but man, oh man, it's like during that one, that period, like right around that match. And then there's matches against Loki and, and some matches, you know, PWG, Eddie Kingston matches where he just, he was on this run where it's like everything he touched. Everything was gold. incredible. Incredible. There's a super dragon. There's a match of super dragon and PWG. Oh. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Where it's just oh like, yeah. I've seen the Necro super dragon match. That, yeah, that match is incredible. Doesn't have, doesn't have blood is the only reason it's not in this book. I mean, I think there's a chance that uh, super dragon was bleeding underneath his mask, <laughs> but, but uh, didn't have visible blood. So it doesn't like, you know, that was the thing. Doesn't you had to have, count. I, I, need, count. I needed to see a little red to write about it in this book. Otherwise I would have definitely written about that. Um, but um, other things like that hero Kingston match, um, which is a, you know, the Hero Kingston and, and Whitmer Jacobs, those are both sort of big time 2000s indie wrestling feuds. Those guys, yeah. you know, that went, you know, uh, and those I think are both the, you know, both the best versions of that feud happening at the Mid-South. So, and weird, weird too, because the Hero Kingston match wasn't, I mean, they had a couple of loser, they had a big loser leaves town match in CZW, which is very good. They, ran the feud back again in ROH and ran a loser leaves how big matches and big promotions. This was like just a sort of a thrown together match on a second night of a Ted Petty Invitational tournament where both guys have been eliminated in the first round. So they said, fuck it, we'll just run, we'll just run Hero Kingston, uh, you know, as an extra match on the second night of this tournament. Cause we flew, you know, cause we, I don't know if Ian flew anybody in, that doesn't seem right, but whatever, they're here. So we'll just run this like, match. And it's Ian just, didn't flow it, we'll fly anybody in. But, I, I, but he, was I mean, he, may, he may have said that he was going to pay the ticket. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, you know, who knows me, you know. You know, God bless it's, it's wrestling. God bless, uh, God bless uh, but, you. But so that was a match. This wasn't like a hyped match, you know, with a lot of build to it, but it had the build of, of course, these guys feuding for years and years and years. And they were just, and they just obliterated each other, that thing. And then Jacobs Whitmer, obviously, this big feud in ROH. I don't know if this is something you're familiar with, where Jacobs, you know, it was, a, uh, they were a tag team and they broke up, and Jacobs was in, was had this unrequited love affair uh, with Lacey, their manager. Which really is not some that you want to talk about things that don't age well when you rewatch them. I, I watched all that it, the Jacob's lazy stuff. I mean, he he comes off like 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 he's a I don't know if he's as a baby face incel psychopath is a weird gimmick. I guess it's a perfect gimmick for ROH fans. But that was basically what he was working uh, was was uh, and that's why I say like oh no this this guy's gonna. This guy's gonna try to stab up, stab, bring a knife into a sorority house. That's how it feels when you're watching it again. But uh, you know, but uh, so that was that part of this feud. But this wasn't really part of that feud. This was a couple of months after the blow off in ROH, 
And again, sort of a side thing in IW Mid-South. But I think it was the match of, that they had with each other that brought it all together. Um, it was like an I Quit match. Good Lord. Uh, it had the oh, best. that I Quit match was actually, I've seen the I Quit match. That, that's brutal. Yeah. I mean, the finish, you know, spoiler alert, everybody should watch the match. I mean, the finish is basically uh, uh, Jacobs uh, giving a, a, a vasectomy to Whitmer in the middle of the ring with a spike. It's like the end fast. Yep. <laughs> he's just like, he's yep. like, I'm gonna, gonna, gonna stick this right, stick this, stick this Kevin Sullivan uh, spike right. This guy's urethra four times until he quits. And uh, well, that's the thing. The other thing about I quit matches is sometimes you gotta, you gotta. Uh, that's a big thing to sort of pull off is trying to make sure that uh, you buy the I quit. I think in the war games that I did, I did. There were four war games on this in this book. And I think the and, uh, three of the I quits were good. I think that's the one sort of flaw in the 92 war games, which otherwise is pretty close to a perfect match, is that's not a great finish. This Sting, uh, Sting versus Danger, it's Alliance yeah. finish of that war game. It's not great. It's, it's like if they do this whole thing where they're unhooking a hook from the ring post for two minutes and then Lizabisco accidentally hits Bobby Eaton in the arm with it and then Sting submits him with an famous master of the armbar sting submits him with an arm Isn't it bar funny how the indie war games are better than the uh, actual wcw some war of them games are, some of the wcw games are really good I, the two wild side war games are incredible you know the, the, I mean, the two anarchy one the racw one is really good there's i've watched a lot of indie war games i went on a little bit of a indie war games deep dive there are plenty that are not great oh okay <laughs> it's, a, it's not a universal thing there's not some universal, like a, like, not a universal uh, thing. indie war game this is good i mean they're, they're but, all better they're all better than those nxt war games for the most <laughs> part because they're not like you know they're but but yeah you know, they're, they're, they're some of those wcw ones i mean the 90 all of the or the all of the ones that we have from that first run like horseman versus superpowers and warriors those are all incredible um and the 91 one where 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 Brian Pillman gets dropped on his head by Sid is really good. Yes. Uh, the '94 were oh yeah, the '94 one's really underrated because it didn't have blood. Didn't have blood, so it was which is the issue with it. He's not in this book, but outside of that, that match is incredible. That's a, those those are my dudes, man. Dustin and and uh, and uh, Arn and and, and uh, Stud Stable. If the '94 one had blood, it would be on this list. Oh yeah, for sure. It might, if it had blood, it might be the best one ever. Uh, I think blood's got to knock it. You know, blood's got to knock it down a little bit, but but uh, but uh, outside of that, man, that match is perfect. It's, you know, it's got the whole Dusty is rep, you know, his family, and you know, the the emotional Dusty Rhodes connection with the fans is really great. That match is so good. Not not, not in the book though. Can't read about it in the book. No cool Chris Bryan drawing of it in the book. Uh, but uh, very good. But yes, both those uh, drawings in the book. Are incredible. Yeah, he's Chris is so talented, and I'm so lucky to have him do that. And I really think that that's like the thing. I mean, I think really is. I mean, my my rank's fine. It makes some jokes. I tell you about some cool matches. It's great. I'm I'm sure. But you want to get that book for Chris's art. I mean, the arts. I mean, it's a hundred, a hundred individual new illustrations, and all every one of them could be like a, a poster on your wall. Um, like it's almost worth getting as an art book. Ignore what I say about any of this stuff. So even if you're somebody who's always hated me, uh, the book's worth getting just for the art. 
it's 101 because the cover is great. Ah, the cover is great as well, yes. Um, what else can we talk about? Um, Jushin Liger, Naoki Sano, that's always that's a great match. That was a really great feud between those two guys. Yeah. And, um, sort of the end of that. And, you know, I that style of wrestling is not something that I want to come back to is really connected with me, particularly a lot of the Liger stuff I've seen. I, don't, I mean, it's hard not to love Liger, but like a lot of that New Japan Juniors stuff, when I've rewatched it recently, hasn't connected with me in the same way. As it did right. when I was watching it, you know, when it was happening, right? I mean, like I said, I was getting, I was getting uh, wrestling videotapes from the Japanese video store in my house in like 1993 and 1994 and 1995, 96, right? And you know, at some point back in the DVR days, uh, Dean was getting videotapes from a buddy of his in Japan, who would, and then he would just send it to everyone. Uh, so we would just get a videotape. Once a, once every couple of weeks of just all this Japanese TV from this 90s period, all Japan. This is obviously before YouTube or any way that you could get the stuff easily, but we would have tapes. So this is all stuff, a lot of that stuff in the 90s I was watching concurrently was just happening. And you would get like that thing you would be excited about was the Liger match or the Otani match or the Ultimo Dragon match. But when we watch a lot of stuff, it's just like, that doesn't connect with me the same way. This match is an exception. This is, this is, this connects with me in a way that those matches don't because it really isn't about you know cool moves it's about you know two guys trying to fucking massacre each other which is yeah. what you want to see i mean it's like now when i watch war it's like the i want to watch i want to watch the i want to watch chad i want to watch takeshi and shikawa i want to watch Hara. i don't want to particularly want to watch it if i never watched another ultima dragon match in my life would be fine I'll, I'll live a happy life never seeing another no, you know not too much of a Oh, you know, throw too much shade in Ultimo, but they have zero interest in that kind of stuff anymore. And a lot of Ligers like that too, but not this. This is this is great. And those guys are and Sano is one of those guys who had this really Liger has that versatility that yeah. a lot of his contemporaries. Yeah. And Sano is a guy who had this great, really, really cool, sort of like like almost like a great character actor. When you look back at his IMDB, it's like, man, that guy has a lot of good fucking movies. And, you know, and Sano was like that, where he had this run and then had, like, the run in SWS, which was cool. And it's like he had some fun matches against weird dudes then and worked, like, some shoot-style stuff and was in UWFI and Battle Arts and then kind of a run in Noah where he put on some weight, was a little tubbier, and would just, like, spin kick people in the stomach. And this is a guy who, like, a guy who, you know, like, if you look back on... You did 20, 20 cool Asano matches. Maybe a lot of really cool fucking matches. So, but not a guy who really has that same sort of rep as, oh, this guy was, he doesn't have that same rep as your other 90s juniors guys, right? He's not, he's not, he's not in the same conversation usually as guys like Ultimo Dragon or Rey Mysterio or Malenko or fine. Guerrero or even guys like El Samurai, right? Which, you know, you know, or Suzuki. I mean, there's so many really Kaya 90s. Japanese juniors wrestlers, and you don't talk. People don't really talk about Sano that way, but they kind of should. I found it interesting that there was only one blood match from all Japan because there was, um, because there was only one blood match in all Japan. Well, from that period, I've got, I've got. I think there's, period, there's from three. That period, from that, I think all, there's three all Japan matches in their total, right? Because I've got a Funk, right. Funk, Sheik, Abby, and then I've got like a, yeah. 
uh, I think it's a Saido, um, I don't listen to it, but Saido Masafuchi is on there too. Um, yeah. But yeah, from that period, yeah, there wasn't a lot of blood in that period. They had this, and so, you know, Kawada, Tawe, Masao, those guys didn't really bleed. Every once in a while, they might have a little bloody nose. I, I could have found a match there. Um, but yeah, this is Tawe, Kawada, just, this is them having their bloody brawl. This is them having, this is like if this feud had a Texas death match, it would be this, which is, which is really cool. Yeah, I would have killed Carl Cox, Murdoch's from all Japan. So this all Japan stuff that was earlier. But yeah, that 90s stuff, didn't, they didn't, they, there was no blade there. But still, yeah. I mean, in some, some ways, like, you know, the, the, the people who sort of looked down on bloody wrestling, oh, you know, all Japan, they never played. So yeah, they were also just, you know, it was a lot safer. Probably some of them, took, Masawa took five less suplexes on his neck in a match and just cut his cut his eyebrow a little bit. I mean, it might have ended up differently. I mean, that was such a violent style that you know they could have used probably used some shortcuts and some BS and cut down a little bit, especially near the end of all right. Japan, where it really got like, a lot of control uh, with the with, with the uh, suplexes. Okay. Yeah, and, and I was fine with not having a lot to write about all Japan. I mean, those matches, that sort of period, that mid-90s all japan stuff that's been written about plenty right that has been over analyzed and over talked about and you know those guys there's nothing really new to say about Kawada. no no there's not no there's, there's, not. Not, there's, not, there's not it's a little bit like i'm writing a you know what you're writing a musical i, mean, I think i'm gonna write about bob dylan has anybody ever written a book about bob dylan it's like, that. It's like right yeah it's like it's like there's that, that's a covered category if you want to you know there's less if you want to try to there's you know Credence doesn't have that many books about that. We can, I'm going to find the Credence a little more than I'm going to find Bob Dylan, as much as I love Bob Dylan, as much as I, you know, love that 90s All Japan stuff. But it's, again, sort of a thing that I, in some sense, you know, I, I have, I, it's Pat, it's not something I have a lot of time for now. It's not something I, I, we've watched a bunch of the, found some cool handhelds that weren't really out there. So I've watched some handheld stuff of those guys' matches that weren't sort of, you know, on, on TV that are kind of cool, but I haven't gone back and rewatched, you know, the, you know, big 90s. Yeah, uh, the famous eight matches in a while. Uh, and which is, I'm okay with, right? We could say, again, I'm... Yeah. I'll go back and watch it. Yeah, yeah, well, I can't, again, you, you weren't in the, you, were, you know, this wasn't, this is a, I think it's a little bit of an age thing, right? Like, you know, this was, yeah. I, I watched the whatever the 90, the whatever the big 94 match that, that shit was. I watched that shit when I showed up at a video store in 94. And you know, you know, this was always in the midst of this being the canonical best wrestling ever. Um, right. When it was sort of being discussed as that. And so, you know, I don't, at that point, this point, I just don't have a, a lot more to say or a lot more interested in revisiting on. I probably what happened to Masawa did a little of that to me too. It's just it's harder to watch now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, especially after what Masawa did. Yeah, what happened to him? What happened to him? You know, it's that stuff is a and it, you watched it escalate. You know, we watched it escalate in real time when it was going on, right? You watched them go from one insane suplex on the neck at the end of a match to one happens in six minutes in and means nothing, and you watch it kind of, you know, you keep the you know the chasing the bigger bigger high it's like they went from they'd snort a little heroin at a party you know at some point by the late 90s they were full-on you know track marks up and down their arms kind of thing and at that point you just kind of it sort of realized what was going on and then obviously you saw the consequences of it and it got the inter, the earlier stuff 
the 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 memories of the party in 94 are a little tainted by the overdose in in 99 2000 2001 you know what i mean so uh, but which is you know funny about a match that's got you know some absolutely gross stuff this book's got some gross stuff in it oh this things. book had some gross <laughs> so you know who am i to who am i to get up on my moral high horse to talk about the talk about the uh the inevitable, the inevitable damage of this, where I've got like a CZW match where Danny Havoc gets thrown through fifteen plates of glass off a scaffold. You know, I'm like, all right, yeah, sure, you know, it's, it is what it is, right? Or you know, Zona Twenty Three dudes getting thrown through windshields. Yeah, plugs uh, for yourself. Do some plugs. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, the book, uh, Way of the Blade, is available now on Amazon. Uh, so if you are listening to this podcast and have not picked it up, uh, please go and buy it. I think that you will, it's got a lot in there to really like. I think the you'll discover some stuff you haven't seen. Um, uh, my DMs are open on Twitter, by the way, if anybody gets the book and wants to see, wants me to sort of sherpa them to a match that may be hard to find. Uh, so anybody's listening to this and like gets a copy of the book and says, you know what, where the hell can I find uh, this Black Terry six man from IWRG? Holler at your boy. I'll get you. I'll make sure you get your hands on a copy of it. Uh, the uh, Way of the Blade podcast is available on every podcast server except Apple for some reason because Apple's podcasts. They did an update and they fucked their entire system up. <laughs> and they keep and the people from Apple uh, Apple Sport continue not to respond to my emails. So right now it's not an Apple, but it's on every other way you get podcasts and and you know and we link to you know Red Circle. The direct links are on Twitter. Every every Thursday there's a new one of those out. And uh, like I said, we got I got a uh, already out now I, as a. Uh, um, uh, big uh, talk about the the two parter on the war games is a lot of fun and Jeff G Bailey and, and Dan Wilson are such are such legendary such wrestling characters in some ways yeah guys yeah bullshit on, and tell stories time, about that whole period it's really cool uh, the Daniel McCott I mean all, all, all four of the, I'm really happy the way all four of those podcasts go up and I'm gonna do a new one every week for a while I've got some that are already recorded I've got some guests lined up like I said the one uh, not this Thursday but next Thursday is an enormous guest that I, you know, I'm not going to leak now, but you know, one of the biggest figures in professional wrestling right now. And we're going to talk about some stuff. So that should be really cool. So, uh, and then sagunakaeda.blogspot.com. Like I've been doing that now for, uh, you know, like 14, 15 years, every day, rain or shine, there's a new post up about something. And every Tuesday we've been doing, the French catch stuff that we talked about earlier is so people should catch up on that. I mean, so many cool matches when we just, uh, uh, and, uh, if every Friday we do new footage Friday where we dig through all of the, you know, find something that hadn't really been out there in the world before and write about that. And that's really cool. And just a whole bunch of other stuff. That's what I'm doing. Um, but if you, you know, buy the book, cause I, I need, I got, you know, two kids and my, you have to buy new, Target shoes for my son every three weeks as his feet get bigger. That shit's not that shit adds up. Yeah, that shit does add up. Um, DJ D Coots on Twitter, social suplex on Twitter, and social suplex.com is where you can find this podcast and you find us on all podcast providers. 
podcast network. Apple too. Apple works for you. I think Apple works for us, but <laughs> but I I don't even know if Apple works for us right now because <laughs> Apple fucked with their podcasts. <laughs> they fuck with their podcasts. It's it's uh I I've stopped using them to listen to podcasts. And no, I and yeah, as I a response to them the response to them screwing up my podcast. Like fine, I'm deleting your goddamn podcast player for my iPhone. Just loading up Spotify. Where you yeah. can find the Way of the Blade podcast with no problem at all. So. Oh, I have found the Way of the Blade podcast on Spotify with no problem. I listened to the first two episodes with oh, that, no problemo. No, go listen to the Wild Side ones, man. Have you uh, ever seen, did you watch those War Games matches? I haven't. You got to follow me. I, I posted links to both matches on Twitter. Okay. You, the war, those two Wild Side War Games matches are both awesome and so much fun. And uh, my advice is you could, is watch them both and then you and can then listen, listen to the sort of story behind all of them. I mean, the cool one about the 2006 one, I think is as good as any, I think what we have, we do sort of an all-time match of the year list on Saguna Kaido where we have a different match, uh, you know, a list of what we think the best match of every year is. It's our 2006 match of the year. We think it's, it's, it's so far, I mean, we will, you know, we haven't watched all the matches in 2006. Right now we have it as the best match in 2006. It's, it's you know, arguably one of the 10 best independent wrestling matches of all time. It's just incredible. 2007 match is a step below that, but also very cool. And also really cool because it, it's, you know, completely heel versus heel, which is something that I don't think you see very much in Warriors. It's, it's this group of evil psychopaths need to come in and take care of this group of evil psychopaths. <laughs> so it's it's a lot of, it's it's which is a fun uh, stuff. And the uh, Jeff G. Bailey and uh, Reverend Dan Podcast, which I'm currently editing and should have out tonight or tomorrow morning, just them telling all the different stories about how this whole feud was put together and you know all the all the you know is really is really fun. I, just listen, you can listen to those guys, you know, talk. I can listen to those guys talk shit forever. So, yeah. And thank you guys for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.